What's going on, Austin? Surrounding areas, wherever you are. This is the Great Bide here on KAZI 88.7 FM. If you're online, www.kazifm.org. I am Giannis Banks. I'm here with my wonderful 40 under 40 co-host, Miss Nikki Wooding. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. How are you? I am. Hey, uh, yeah, we got good. You good? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Uh, we gotta get your headphones on so you can hear what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? But I'm doing great. I, you know, had a little break for spring break. You know, the kids are back in school. They had their first week back. Right. Um, right. It was uh, a nice spring break. South by was. Ooh, South by, and I didn't even do as much as I anticipated to do, but I did enough. Right. Um, you know, Black Future House was great. Black Culture House as well, and um, I'm tired. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, it takes, it can drain on you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, um, yeah, they uh, uh, last week with the spring break, you know, went to NASA. Oh. Yeah, I haven't been there since I was a kid. So, I'm exhausted. I feel like I have not had a weekend to just sleep. Right. So, right. I'm excited. Well, never mind. It ain't going to be this weekend either. No. <sighs> no. But anyway, I do I do appreciate the love. I am the 40, the under 40 award recipient from the Reynolds Wooding family. And you know what? Thank you. There you go. Yes. So just want to shout out my family. You know what? It's good to have people around you that no matter if you win or lose, you always win. Right. And um, I'm just blessed, you know, to have those type of people around me. And um, I just want to shout out Patrice, my cousin. You know, um, she's been a very integral part of my journey. Mm -hmm. And you know how family can be there when those moments when, you know, you need them most. And um, she sent me the award. And, you know, I even want to give this as a little testimony to somebody as well. Um, I, you know, I thank you. Thank you, Giannis. You, I was nominated for the under 40 award. Right. And I, um, you know, I don't typically accept nominations because I think the legal profession to me is not able to be quantified as who it can, is the best. And so I accepted it. And, um, but nonetheless, I wasn't chosen as a finalist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I was a little heartbroken because, like I said, I don't typically accept these things. Right. Um, but I had my family and you, of course, friends um, and other friends as well, that reminded me that beyond the award, you know, I had already won. Like, I won a long time ago. So um, my cousin gracefully sent me an award in the mail. And it was like a moment for me and Joelle, my daughter. Mm -hmm. And it was a nice moment. So, boom. Boom. It's good to have family. Good. Well, yeah, I mean, they exist <laughs> for everybody. Uh, but it's good, to have good, it's good to have good family. And, you know, I, I'm just tremendously blessed. So I just want to start that, kick it off 
with that and just remind somebody who may not have gotten the job that they wanted to become a final candidate or whatever it is. You already won a long time ago. Something is already out there for you. So we ain't going to worry about it. We're just going to keep trucking. Keep it moving. Everything is going to be all right. Amen. Hold on on one second. What song is that? Everything is going to be all right by Naughty by Nature. Oh, you wait. It it was just the intro? Yeah. It's the instrumental. Oh, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) you you mentioned South By. I did. I did. I I didn't get this one in the sheet, but um, it's always good to see the stats after South By because they always try to compare South By and Urban and and Relays, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? So here's the stats for South By. Okay. Uh, police arrested 131 people. That's it? Confiscated. That's it. Dozens of guns during South By. Okay. Uh, 61 guns, and there was a whole bunch of drugs going around. Of course. 3.5 kilograms of cocaine crack. Okay. Uh, 26.6 kilograms of methamphetamine. Uh, 41.4 grams of fentanyl heroin and 98 pounds of marijuana. Okay. Is there a positive spin on this? No, they always try to say it's worse during um, urban. Because you see, what has happened is during Texas Relays in the past, you would have bars and whatnot on 6th Street will go on quote-unquote vacation because they say it's so dangerous during Texas Relays that they can't be open. Mm-hmm. And the stuff is always worse doing South by, so. I know, but it's just odd to me that a city is actually comparing stats regarding these. Well, the, I mean, negativity in the city. The um, city isn't to a degree. And it's not in a means to equip us for resources. Mm-hmm. This is more or less trying to just force participation. And I'm no. just like, hey, if they don't want, if a bar wants to be closed, miss out on the money. That's them. But, I mean, it is what it is. Right. It's not to force participation, but it is proving a point when folks, is like when the black folks come in town, we need to shut down because it's just so bad. But it, the, the crime and everything else, the data doesn't match. So, um, you know, just for the folks to say, like, yeah, it's, all, it's always worse than, like, it's, it's not. Um, so, you know, hey, this happened during this South By and we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks when relays come um, just to continue to prove the point that it's not worse when the black folks come in town. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, now, you're going to have to kick us off with this bad boy. Yeah. So, what's going on? So, the House, um, Texas House Committee, they've approved the ban of funding for DEI. Um, what's going on? I, I mean, it, of course, being here in Texas, it's not really as surprising as, um, you know, any other state besides Florida. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, give me some insight. What's going on? Yeah, that's why I put it in here because a, a lot of people, even here in Texas, are um, paying attention to Florida. Right. And say, oh, man, what they're doing in Florida is, is terrible. Right. And they're not seeing that, hey. It's happening look, here in Texas, look too. in your backyard. Yeah. So what happened was, and this is weird. Okay. Uh, the way that they are doing it. Um, it's not coming up. For, it's, it's not going to be up for debate on the House floor as it should be done. Uh, the Appropriations Committee. Is that a requirement? Just out of curiosity. It's not a requirement per se mm-hmm. it's just weird how this is being done because mm, yeah. um, it, it shouldn't be done well they did it in the appropriations subcommittee 
which the way the Texas House worked, the appropriation committees, um, only invited guests really are allowed to kind of testify in those committees. You can kind of watch and see, but for when it comes to appropriations, you don't really get to get in there and testify and speak on things, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the state reps, uh, she in the in the subcommittee, which was dealing with colleges and universities, added a amendment to the bill or a rider to the appropriations bill saying that basically Texas will not, uh, the universities will not use any state funds to any DEI initiatives. Uh, what is considered okay so is that only from the employment standpoint no. right, right. That, that could be courses right oh so my gosh there were uh, <laughs> so there wasn't room for de- there wasn't much debate about this because of how it was done by when i say debate about this between uh the electeds there right so they didn't get to have too much debate about it and the argument was like you know you can have your things you want to do mm-hmm. you say you want to do whatever but this is something that should be debated on the floor of the House. Right. Uh, so that you can have a full conversation about this and not just something that's snuck on here um, in the middle of the night or whatever. And it's going to be added as an amendment. And if you don't know, once it gets added, it's a lot harder to take off once it's already in there. Right. Right. So it was voted on pretty much party lines to have it done. Mm-hmm. And so now, yeah, you'll be looking at um, quite possibly uh, colleges and universities would not be able to use these funds for DEI program. Okay, and that's one thing that I want people to recognize is, you know, I think that um, CRT and DEI, these two acronyms have been used kind of synonymously in some um, um, dialogue. But my thing is, um, it's more than that, because... This is also affecting not only black studies for curriculum, mm-hmm. you have Latina studies or Latin studies. Mm-hmm. You have, and we do have a huge Hispanic population, you know, here in Texas. And to tell them that basically that they cannot include their culture and heritage within our day to day out here in Texas, not only in the employment realm, but like we just said in academia, um, is just as concerning as the fact that they're eliminating the black black history and things of that nature. So, I mean, to have something to this magnitude on the floor and nobody's able to speak about it. Right. <laughs> right. So That's a lot. The money will not be, oh, you cannot use money for um, practices or similar programs, including personnel, training, or activities on state-supported college campuses, state-supported university campuses, or those receive state funding, notwithstanding state and federal laws. So what does a school like Prairie View in Texas Southern and uh, Charleston, because I know that they kind of fall sometimes in the HBCU category, and then you have Jarvis, and you have, um, who am I forgetting, Texas College, and you have... Who is up there in Dallas, too? They won't count because they're not state-funded. They're not a well, state that's right. They're private. They're private. So the only two pri- Only two is us in is te- is te- and, and Texas, Texas Southern. Southern. Right. So what happens at this school, at our school, so we can no longer teach African-American history at a black university? That's going to be part of the conversations that are going to have to be figured out and had. Uh, and hopefully when this bill comes to the, and, and definitely the Black Caucus and the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus, uh, it's something they've been on top of top of so we'll see how these conversations go 
part of the problem as well when it comes to the budget is that once it hits the House floor and you have these debates, if you want to add money to it, right, you have to take money from something else that's right. already in the budget. You can't just say, okay, well, we know we have this surplus, right, and they're not even using as much of the surplus as they should. Because it's like $51 million, right? Billion. Bill. B. Yeah. Um, so they're. And know, Prairie View wants their money. A lot of folks want their money. Take to Southern wants their money. Yeah, all these schools. Okay. Yeah. It's. Um, when you want to add money to the budget, you have to take from somewhere. Right. And then you have to get the folks on the floor to agree with your amendment. It has to be the majority of the folks on the floor agreeing with your amendment. So that you can't say, well, we know we got extra money. Let's add it to the budget. If I want to add. $4 million for a program, I have to find $4 million and take it from somewhere else in this budget that's been approved by the Appropriations Committee and then convince 76 people or, or 75 other people, because you're going to vote for yours, to agree that this should be done. Hence why it is so hard to make changes once it gets to... Um, so, House floor. so what can the people do? Can I mean, I, I see, especially on Twitter and online, right. there are a lot of people sending up, you know, article, I mean, letters to their Congress people um, and representatives in their districts, you know, uh, protesting against this. And, and you know what? I love to see it because I love an ally. Right. So, you know, they're black, white, pink, purple, green. Everybody right. is sending stuff in because it's going to affect yes. everybody. Yes. So what what can we do? So I, I know yesterday they did have a sit-in uh, mm-hmm. that was organized by students. Um, yeah, it was yesterday. It was organized by students in the Capitol. So they had a sit-in. I know the Black Caucus and the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus. Uh, they have a... Um, I'm going to pull up that information now where they are asking folks to sign up and support. Because, um, I mean, even if... I, I don't want to deter anybody and I, you know, I would appreciate if, you know, I, I do intend to send something as well, Right. but as many people can send something and just send an email, um, or a message because, you know, I, I know some of the people listening, they may have been beyond the days of academia. They might be in retirement, so they might not feel like it affects, but it's your grandchildren. It's your it's your children that it's affecting from you know, day to day. It still can affect you as well because these are going to be, even if you are retired and not in academia or, or what have you, mm-hmm. the people who are being educated will be having some jobs in the world at some point, mm-hmm. and that could impact your livelihood depending on what you need, where you go, services you want. Mm-hmm. You can still be impacted by it because these are folks who would have been trained or right. learned something in the university or what have you that now will go out in the world and they could be ruling, running companies, running organizations, Healthy. being an elected yeah. official. Yeah. So it still will impact you. Now, what the caucuses have done is they've created a Texans United for DEI. Okay. Uh, they, they want you to go to. Uh, let me pull up the website because they gave a QR code for people to scan, but I'm glad they figured it out. <laughs> uh, it's a Google Doc. This is not any easier. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I would They were on the fly. Okay. We'll give it the, to them. Right. Look, yeah. It's on Twitter, right? So it's like, it. okay, you can click on Twitter and click on the link. So it's a right. Google Doc. So it's going to be too long to use, say the URL code. But if you Google uh, or if you go on Twitter and, and search for Texas Black Caucus, uh, and it will come up and you'll be able to click on the Google Doc. So it will give you a chance to sign up to be 
giving more information about what you can do and how you can help if you so inclined uh, to want to help you'll be able to do that and if you have an organization that wants to be a part of this movement they're doing they say hey go for it they're asking you to testify to capital calling your representatives and sharing with others is what they're asking um so they're they're going to you know put up a fight as best as they can they know the numbers are what the numbers are but you know you can't go down you can't go down without swinging I, if i'm playing baseball i'm gonna swing like you're gonna throw me a pitch uh, right i'm not gonna just stand there and watch it we we're gonna go down swinging uh it ain't gonna be easy so they're they're asking for that kind of support and you know we're gonna keep watching because there's also yep. bills directly impacting education not just the funding right this is just a funding component but they're also looking to have other bills um directly impacting dei being taught in schools of course we've seen the governor already come out and say don't use it in your hiring practices at all and you saw the universities okay putting stuff off and my thing and that's interesting of course and we talked about it back then but you know to not have it in your hiring practice diversity inclusion and equity in your hiring let's see diversity hiring equitable hiring and inclusive hiring what is the issue with that well a lot of it has been you have basically straight white males who are feeling like we are or they are the new victim and mm. everything is against them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't just say males. But yeah, there's females as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they feel like they're the victim, and everybody is against them. Um, but really, particular, it's really for the males, and you have the white females who are chiming in for the white males that are trying to save them because they, white women, benefit from diversity, equity, and inclusion practices. Yeah, but they're also hollering otherwise. They are hollering otherwise, but it's really for them white guys who like we've been running the world for so long and now mm. oh woe is me. Everybody is just out against me and we don't have a chance to continue to run the world and run it to the ground. So not uh, run it into the ground. Yeah man. I mean, you know, and yeah. I and I and I will put this asterisk. Not everybody. Not everybody. Of but, course, not everybody. Right. And I'm not going to, yeah, but we've heard the rhetoric. We've watched enough news stations yeah. to know, you know, what's some of the rhetoric that's going around. But, um, you know, we do have other stories. We I do. could stay on this one forever. Um, but I do want to move on because I do, I, this one is just as important. Yes. Um, you know, there was another, as a murder investigation going on at Fort Hood. Yeah. Another, uh, soldier died, um, and had reports of sexual harassment from a superior. Yeah. Does it sound familiar? Yeah. It should, because we dealt with the same thing. If you recall a couple of years back with Vanessa Gillian, mm-hmm. um, and I, I apologize if I um, to her family if I'm pronouncing her last name incorrectly, but she um, Vanessa she passed or was found in 2020 mm-hmm. after a disappearance and um, was of course um, during that investigation they found that she was subject to harassment by her superior mm-hmm. um, and one of her I guess fellow soldiers now in this instance we have um private anna ruiz she was a combat engineer um and she's from long beach california just joined the army in july 2021 and she was assigned um to the first calvary Calvary division in december Mm -hmm. um you know i guess I, i don't know whether before um, this incident, she had said something to her family to the concerning, but they did state that her attitude and demeanor were shifting um, leading up to the months before her death. Um, I guess they provided the family all quote unquote releasable. <laughs> 
Right. Information, and you know that could mean a lot of things. Um, and they're, like I said, investigating to find out what happened and what's going on. Y'all, what is going on in Forehead? Yeah, I don't know. They got a problem. I know that the, they've come out and said it was, uh, I guess, suicide or whatever. Um, that's what they said initially? That's what Forehood officials are saying. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So, but the family is, is insisting that no, she was murdered and are saying she had the sexual harassment, whatever um, stuff that they know about that had been going on. Army saying they're going to conduct their investigation. Um, but, you know, this is, there's been, like you said, there was Miss Guillen, there's been Miss Ruiz, and there was others in between that Fort Hood has been having a problem with. Uh, and of course, Lulac, they're calling for an independent investigation outside of the army to come in and, and, you know, do this investigation. Um, so we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. For hood. Yeah. I got a problem. Yo. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I don't know if you were able to catch the documentary. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix. And if you haven't been able to catch it, that's really good. Um, documentary um, just oh, just sending so much love to Vanessa Gillian's family because after her death she they were very adamant in the political process oh, yeah. to be involved and to change some of the laws yeah. that govern you know Fort Hood because there were things that you know were in place where they couldn't get autopsy information or information in general right. from um, Fort Hood you know the process in which you know a superior would have final authority over something something um, some of the incidents yeah. that were happening at Fort Hood um, you know uh, they were instrumental and in changing some of that stuff the military in general because yeah it, it, oh yeah sorry when, when you You're say right. yeah it, just that process of that investigation and who does the investigation and and the whole nine, uh, I think you have folks in Congress. I know there was a Congress member on the Senate, and I think in the House for many years, mm -hmm. had been fighting to change that because of rape allegations and yep. how that is investigated in the military. Yep. Um, was like, it, it doesn't, there's no justice in, in how that's being done, especially if it is a, a general or a colonel or whatever that's being accused. Yep. It's like, yeah, the people investigating, it's it's not in your favor. And I've, Correct. I've seen how military justice doesn't work. It's a very, it's a, and that's what some people don't realize. It's a very different justice system. It is. It, you know, they have a very different court procedure process. You know, um, they have special attorneys that, you know, are involved in those type of cases, which was one of the issues that the Gillian family experienced because they couldn't find anybody right. that was specializing uh, an attorney in the area to represent the family and uh, Vanessa during the time. Right. And to be specific and to piggyback off of what you were saying, the legislation specifically that was passed was in 2021 and to remove some of the authority from commanders and other superiors and gave uh, survivors the option to report mm -hmm. abuse. Let me say that again. Giving survivors more options to report go. abuse. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. The option. Right. Nice That's why I had to repeat. Um, but yeah, to say that they were limited with even the reporting aspect of mm -hmm. it. And because I think we were talking about more of this, the, um, uh, not investigate, but the assessment of what the claims were that were being made. Think that they were shielded yeah. in a means from even making the claim in the first place. Right, right? It, it, the military, the higher up, is definitely a, a good old boy network. Yeah, uh, I'm your friend, and I'm gonna look out for you. Or I know 
Colonel such and such. That doesn't sound like them. Right. I'm going to disagree with what you said. And, and that's that. There's like, you know, you move on. Right. Uh, I mean, my pops, nothing on this level of, of kind of sexual assault or anything like that. But he had some lies told on him about stuff where the lady got mad because he wouldn't um, be her f- sergeant major mm-hmm. under him. He wanted to stay with where he was. And so she made all these lies about stuff he didn't do mm-hmm. and locations he wasn't when she said they did. Couldn't prove anything. Um, but they still punished him for it because the guy's like, well, I don't think she would lie. Mm. And so we're going to do this. Right. And it's like, well, I have all the proof to show that what she's saying is wrong. I was not in this location when she said this crime was committed. It wasn't me. I wasn't right. convicted. But, you know, he had all his paperwork, all the stuff documented. And they still was just like, yeah, well, whatever. We're going to believe her, even though the paperwork says Otherwise, then we know the military is very serious secretive. about their paperwork. Though. They're very secretive. They're secretive, but they, but they do have paper trails. Right. And I think that, you know, Fort Hood, I, I thought they were under investigation. They might still at be. At some point. But um, I, it, it really needs to be a change in that culture up there. And it's not even just sexual assault. Right. It. There are other issues that I'm not even going to go into because I'm going off of second, third hand information. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that we all have heard the stories. Uh, I know for her stories. I, I know. I, I live in Clean. You live I, I, before I was up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot going on up there. And I think being here in Austin, I think that since we are more, we're we're here with people from Colleen and Fort Hood, that we see a lot more. This is in the grapevine. All right. So in regards to Women History Month. Yes. Um, um, the thing, we are at the end of the month. I think we have, well, I think by the time we come back next week, it'll be April. But I um, want to talk about something in Austin here. In, it won't be. It won't be? April, sure it is. April 1st is Saturday. It is? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Great. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You got one more week we can oh celebrate y'all. And after that, you went back to the back. No, I'm saying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, equal pay among men and women has been a decades long battle in the U.S. And so a recent study revealed that the city of Austin ranks 13 in the nation yes. when it comes to the largest gender pay gap. So, um, the Chamber of Commerce recently analyzed the vast gender, gender pay gaps in 170 cities across the country. Um, numbers show Austin's pay disparity between men and women is above $20,000, which is 87% higher than the national average. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she's in, uh, there were some, uh, I guess, coaches, if you will, um, or life coaches that were contributing to the discussion about this issue. And, you know, they're encouraging women to know their worth. And not be afraid to advocate for themselves. And I think that's so cliche, so easier said than done. Because sometimes when you, you know, a lot of women feel that if we try to um, advocate for ourselves, that Mm -hmm. might be a ticket out the door. And, um, you know, just looking at the wage disparity in Austin, the average median earning for a man is seventy-seven thousand, and the women make fifty-seven thousand. Right. So and these aren't broken down by race either, because we know that once you get into the race, um, once you break it down by race, it, the disparities gets even. Right, and so you know, and ironically, it doesn't even change much, even if you've earned a bachelor's degree. Um, that really doesn't change much here in Austin as well. So even though you know men 
that well i guess it does change a little bit increases i, I what i mean it doesn't help right um, <laughs> um as far as for men with a bachelor's degree here in austin they make about eighty thousand dollars and a woman out here that has a bachelor's degree earns about 59. Mm. so right so um you know the top of the list i think was sunnyville california and their paid wage gap gap is forty thousand. Mm. right so um you know texas we do have about three cities one two three four. mckinney um we have four four in the top 13. Oh, okay four in the top 13 i see what you're saying yeah um that we have some concern about and this is a part of DEI, guys. If you're wondering who did this study, it's the Chamber of Commerce, so it's not just somebody right. who's Random. trying to stir the pot. Right. Um, this is what they do. Right. right. They want to see how cities are doing, how they're living, how people are being paid. This is what they're supposed to be doing. So um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, you know. And it's just so many fights, and this right. Is it's a lot of it's a lot going on, and I just feel, right. And you know, um, again, I think uh, we talked about sending letters to your Congress people, and I'm I'm reaching out to the women right now. <laughs> Congress or your state elected? I mean, state official. elected officials. That's what I mean. No, Sorry. It, it, it's it's both. It's all the elected because you have your your national um, minimum yeah. wage that you have, and you have states that's it, but there'll be the minimum wage would be based off of that. So it's both. You're right. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm like I said, this is just a, another call out um, for our ladies. This is Women's History Month. This will be a great time to make history and to make sure that, you know, our paychecks look the same as a male, our male counterparts. And not just the ladies, because the fellas has to be involved in this as well. We love an ally. So, you you know, because some of y'all have mothers still, but you had a mother. Some of y'all have wives, you have sisters, yeah. you have friends who are women. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you, you got to help out what's right is right and wrong is wrong. Yeah. Um. All right. Now, getting out of Texas for <laughs> bit mm -hmm. salt lake um ironically you know we went there this last year it was you and, your, fun. You and your, your daughter yeah oh yeah just to make sure they right he was like you taking a out to salt lake right, right. i got flown out y'all i got flowed out flewed out it's a flewed out she flewed me out there you go yeah <laughs> passport bro you know it wasn't a passport i know right yeah. uh but yeah in salt lake yeah um Children and teens in Utah will lose access to social media apps such as TikTok if they don't have parental consent and face other restrictions mm -hmm. for under a first in the nation law designed to shield young people from the addictive platforms. So there were two laws that were signed by Republican Governor Spencer Cox Thursday, which prohibits kids under 18 um, from using social media between the hours of 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. And it requires age verification for for anyone who wants to use social media in the state and opens the door for lawsuits on behalf of children claiming social media harmed them. Collectively, they seek to prevent children from being lured to apps by addictive features and from having ads promoted to them. So the companies are expected to sue before the law takes effect in March 2024. Texas is looking at doing something similar. Oh my God. That's why I put it on there for you, just so you know. Um, right. It's a conversation, and there's other states as well that's looking to follow this league. But um, uh, yeah, 
as a parent, I, I wanted to know what, what are your thoughts about this? Because at the end of the day, who's going to be punished is me. Right. Right. I don't like that. There's a couple of things. Is one, in some instances, we have these kids that say their de- their parent does consent. Mm-hmm. You know, it also lures my kid who might not have that consent to want to go behind my back mm-hmm. and want to go and create their own account that I don't know about. Not saying you know, um, she would be right right in any instance, but that would be mean. I would be sus. Uh, uh, liable to go to jail yes um the bill is filed here in texas by rep jared patterson right um that would ban anyone under the age of 18 from accessing social media sites like tiktok twitter and facebook and then i guess you know the age verification i think that should be the responsibility of the app not necessarily my responsibility um and then also, as far as, you know, being the kids being able to sue, that they were lured to addictive features. How, what, how do we quantify what's addictive and what feature is addictive? Yeah. So is it scrolling? Is it, <laughs> is it the messaging? Is it liking, double tapping? What is addictive? That's so vague to me. And then even further to having ads promoted to them. What if they're educational? Is that's not necessarily a bad ad to go, you know, for it to introduce to these kids. You know, do we have to track which ad, you know, to know specifically, hey, it was this ad that was promoted to my kids. So now I can sue. Well, who am I suing? The, the app or am I suing the company? Because even if I do verify my child to be able to do it, I mean, use the app, mm-hmm. the ad still might be an issue. And I don't have any control over that. So who gives me that control? I don't understand this thing at all. I don't think they understand it. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's a knee-jerk reaction. Of course, we know there's been a certain party that's been mad at social media companies, right? Right. Uh, and so I, I see this more as just another attack on uh, of them at the social media companies when you really look at what they're saying. Because, um, you know, they, they use wording so well. Uh, he says one thought, and this is Patterson, one thought to be perfectly safe for users, social media access to minors has led to remarkable rises in self-harm, suicide, and mental health issues. This is in the statement he, he released, right? So mm-hmm. here's the thing, that there's been other stuff that folks have proposed to help fight that, combat that, and say we need to do these things for help protect children, this, that, and the third. The same party will get involved and say, well, that's parental rights, and we don't want to tell parents how to raise their kids, this, that, and the third. Now you're mad at social media platforms, so you're using this as a way to score some brownie points and say, well, look, we'll just say kids shouldn't be on social media platforms. There was a study done about this uh, up in Congress, the U.S. Congress Joint Economic Committee, uh, and the report came out and said there's no conclusive link between youth mental health declines and social media use. These findings cannot tell us whether social media use causes poor, poorer mental health, is what the committee said in the report. So, um, you know, it's, it's 
other states are following in the footsteps of Utah, Texas will be one of them. Yes, ma'am, you got it. Yeah, and then, you know, if you want me to put the legal eagle hat on, I oh, was boy. just trying to give a parent perspective, but you do have a constitutional issue. And the tech companies are raising a First Amendment issue and saying that it infringes on people's right to exercise their, that their right of freedom of speech online. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... It, to the extent of the data that they're collecting, they're using it not only to verify ages, but to verify the parental relationship. Mm. Like, you know, using uh, government-issued IDs and birth certificates and then putting their private data at risk of breach. Because once you collect this information from uh, the companies or the, the... whatever data sets that you have where is this information being stored and what happens in the event that is breach the technology companies do have some um means in place especially with their privacy policies and data security information policies um that make sure that information is not just open and willy-nilly to the public and they have parameters in place to secure your information on their servers and whether they're stored here in the U.S., they're stored overseas, they apply to the applicable law. Mm-hmm. We already know states don't have enough funding no. to do the basic things that they have. So how are they going to have the funding available to make sure that our private, our data and our privacy is protected? It's they, not happening. When they do have the funding, they don't use it. Yo, mm. what, what other gets me, I know we need to move on, but just popped into my mind because the that? same party. Mm-hmm. Uh, would argue when folks would say, you know what, let's just give kids free lunch in school, free breakfast in school, let's make sure they're fed so that they can learn because we all know, we've seen the Snicker commercials and we've seen people and we've seen facts when mm-hmm. you don't eat or even when you eat... Not just, the Snicker commercial, it, did, it went over my head, but right. go ahead. <laughs> when, you, when you don't eat or even you're just eating junk, right. right? you do not function. Your brain does not function well, you're irritable the whole nine, you act out. Right. These people argued against giving kids free food in school because it was after Michelle Obama and her healthy food campaign. And I do not want the government or a school telling my kids what they should eat. It's up for the parents to decide the kind of food those kids should be eating. We should not be feeding children, making sure they've had a meal. Even when you tell them some kids hadn't eaten since the day before, they would still be like, well... It's not the school's job or it's not the government's job. And you want to have these kids, whatever. It's not the government's job to feed these kids. As parents were stepping over the parents' toes by trying to feed their kids. But now. I I think. Now this is. You want to do something about TikTok and social media. That's your concern. I think that they're. um, We're not going to understand. Because I think that as you just said. um, There's a lot of hypocrisy in this party. And, um, you know, this is a party that doesn't want that wanted small government and didn't want government overreach. And right now they're in a woman's um, gynecologist appointment. Mm -hmm. They are in our social media. They're in our phones to Mm -hmm. tell us which app we can use. They're in our they're in our um, classrooms to tell us what information, even though it's been in our history books and it's a part of our history, what can be a part of it. They're in um, drag clubs <laughs> and telling them who and can and can't perform and who can be present. I mean, it's mind blowing to me that there is so much hypocrisy in the rhetoric of just one party, and this has happened within days within one another because they will say in one press conference we don't want big government and then the next thing is 
a policy that contradicts that. And that's the frustrating part for me is you talk to some uh, mm -hmm. proponents and they don't see that. But yeah, speaking of social media, if you have not heard also, um, the CEO uh, of TikTok, yeah. um, they testified before Congress. Um, I guess there was conversation during this discussion that um, the U.S. might force a sale of TikTok, um, in mm -hmm. which the uh, TikTok, uh, or excuse me, the Chinese Commerce Ministry would firmly oppose, this is what they, they put out today. Um, I guess, you know, uh, from the conversation that was had with the TikTok CEO, I guess they were trying to find out, you know, what extent was the data was data being used? What type of data was you know uh, being extracted from TikTok? I know you've heard the conversations um, that some TikTok users were quote unquote preferred in some instances on the platform, and there was no kind of algorithm that was out there to so. Oh wait! Oh wait! Is that creating equity? Uh huh. Oh no. Um. <laughs> um. So. You know, there was a, a, a long conversation going on with the t TikTok CEO. Now, I do want to say that I did get some text messages yesterday that said, oh, so is TikTok going to jail or what's going on? No, it was solely a, um interview, if you will, with Congress to kind of extract more information before they made a decision in what was going to happen with TikTok. Because as you know, a lot of states have began banning TikTok on their state devices. Some schools have um, banned it on their Wi-Fi and things of that nature. So it's interesting to see um, what TikTok had to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Oh, go ahead. I just thought it was interesting in the conversation yesterday. They were talking about um, TikTok's interdependence with China. And, um, you know, that is kind of mainly the, uh, the premise of the argument of why TikTok should be banned. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is a conversation that the, um, the Chinese government has involvement in TikTok. Right. And is able to access some of the information and data that is shared upon the platform. Mm -hmm. So in response to that, they say that TikTok is not even a, is not available in mainland China. They're headquartered in Los Angeles and Singapore. They have 7,000 employees in the U.S. today. They have offices here in Austin. There you go. When they said that, do you know how many people text me? Like, TikTok's in Austin? Yeah. Yeah, they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I just think that this whole situation, it, it should be interesting because, you know, a lot of people do depend on TikTok as a resource to get information out monetarily and um, as people just a mean of just so, social, right? Yeah, they make their livelihood off of TikTok, TikTok and other social media platforms. And, um, of course, they had the users that messed up. I guess something Trump. It was like one of Trump's rallies or something. Like oh yeah, they had you know messed with that too. But yeah, we can move on. Uh, oh no, I was. Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay, um, that wasn't for that, but oh. okay. <laughs> but yes, nonetheless, TikTok is here in Austin. They do have an office here in Austin now. Um, I do know yeah. it, um, that there is a. I'm plugging another documentary okay. um, on Netflix. It is a. It's either Netflix or Hulu. Now uh, I got to do some research. You got research. I know, research. man. Um, uh, but it's about TikTok, though. 
And it kind of provides some insight, you know, just about the experience of TikTok here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and over in China. Mm-hmm. And a, chi- a minor's experience is very different on those platforms. And why I say that is when they usually, typically a U.S. minor gets on the app, they're experiencing the same things that most adults do. So you have to be cognizant of making sure they're following the right people and, you know, because you don't have control of your homepage and feed. It's not based on your following right. or your followers. So that's very arbitrary of <laughs> what pops up on that, uh, on your timeline. Right. Nonetheless, in China, that timeline is only filled with educational things. Mm. Right. So on TikTok in China, the kids, if you're under 18, let's say that, I don't know if that's the exact age, but you're under a certain age, all that comes up on their timeline is astronauts coming to talk about space. Right. Teachers coming to say, hey, you know, this is maybe something that you need for class. Right. A scientist might come on there. Uh, you know, different things. So why is the experience different for a minor there than for a minor here? And I mean, they there's a, it, I don't want, it's not a documentary. It's like one of those specials, like, you know, 2020 or whatever, does those kind of specials and stuff, Dateline, I don't know. Um, but it's one of those, and they just delve into TikTok. And it, it's a very interesting conversation. And I hope that, I can find it so you can watch it. Yes. But nonetheless, yeah. Let's check it out because, yeah, it's a lot of. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, make sure I behave. Okay. Yeah. Well, so are you woke? Do you know what woke is? I mean, if you've seen the video of that lady, can it might take a while. It? Can you define it? No. And they are proud to not have to be able to define it. They say it's like pornography. You just know it when you see it. Pornography has a definition. Well, the Supreme Court has ruled you know it when you see it. Pornography has a definition. They have a threshold test for pornography. Mm-hmm. And they also <laughs> say when you see it, you know it. And this is what they're saying for woke. When you see it, you know it. Who said that they don't have a definition for, te- for pornography? The same lady that was given that was speaking uh, about woke when they asked her what is woke. Did you believe that? She says you believed it because you made it on. You said on the air. I'm That's not telling true. you what she said. I, no, you said it. No, said, you weren't said, saying it like she said it. She said it like <laughs> yo, like pornography. You knew it when you see it. She said for woke, you know it when There's you see it. There's a definition it. for pornography. You can Google it right now. Dang. It's in the dictionary. I'm just telling you what she said. It's in the Blacks Dictionary, which is our law dictionary. It's in the Oxford Dictionary. Okay. It's in all of them. Maybe lying. Telling you what she said, that they know it when they see it. Okay. And this, they don't need to have a definition for woke because when you see it, you know it, and they're against it. No, and that's the issue is just like her analogy mm-hmm. and I'm not going to continue saying the word but I don't know if the FCC going to come after us for me saying it. I don't think so, right? It's not a it's not a four-letter word. Okay. Well, if you if you if you knock it down, it can. It's still not one of them four-letter <laughs> words, so it's fine. Okay, but even from the definition of I don't know, anything in the world, you have to have a definition to know when you see it. 
because everybody could have an arbitrary view of anything. And when we have a collective definition of something, that's when we can all point out and say, I've seen that, experienced that. And so when we're not able to define something, Mm -hmm. it's just an abstract idea. CRT. Abstract idea. Right. They know the the word. Exactly. CRT is terrible. What's CRT? I don't know. Exactly. Ruining the world. An abstract idea. And wokeism is ruining the world. Another abstract idea that has not been quantified. If you ask some per, one person and then ask the next person, you're getting two different different definitions. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, since I'm getting two different definitions, your viewpoint is two different viewpoints. Then you're not going to see the same thing. So this is something you can't even argue in court using her definition. We want woke out of books. We want woke out of commercials. So what is it? If I feel like it's woke, it is woke. So what is it? So what is woke? Take the word out. The word woke. W O K E. That deals with people of color. If it makes me feel like I should feel bad. Feelings are subjective. Uh, I'm just telling you what they say. Okay. Well, well, we okay. It's wokeness. All right. Well, anyway. Um, and they're proud not to know what it means. Okay. No, I I was well okay. Um, just quickly, uh-huh. I want to go through a legal minute real quick. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we have Ron Isley, the Isley brothers. Y'all might know them. They are in battle right now over trademarks. So um, if you don't know, Ron Isley and his brothers have a group called the Isley brothers. Did you know that? Might have heard of them. You might have heard of them. All right. So they have gone ahead, of course, like any other, hopefully any other group out there, they have gone ahead and trademarked the name with the USPTO. However, um, Ron is wants to be the sole owner of the mark. He's saying that he's kept it alive all this time, and um, you know he wants he should be the sole owner of the Isley Brothers. So if you didn't know, they the Isley Brothers did consist of three brothers: Rudolph, Ronald, and O. Kelly Isley Jr. And they um, began what I don't know. I have to ask my parents when they began. But they had... <laughs> wow. <laughs> they began out in Cincinnati. I didn't know they were from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, but um, also, what's also being swept under the rug is there's some money issues as well as trademark issues that are going on with the Isley Brothers. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, if they're going to re-assign... Uh, the mark to include everybody or if it's just him i don't know we'll see yeah it's <laughs> it's you, you hate to see it you do especially because they're brothers right um and i know there was four of them at one point one did, was it one did pass away um and yeah you they've been so successful you normally see um ron and ernie together mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm um, matter of fact, Ron and Ernie was just on Drink Champs, like right before the story broke, and you know, giving their flowers and and talking about their stuff uh, that they've been doing and, and how they're the most sampled music of all time. They overtook James Brown, um, but you hate to see when family is 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 um, doing this. Yeah, and groups in particular, oh. but when your group is family, that's even worse. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
Um, and additionally, there's accusations from Ron, Ro, Rudolph, excuse me, that Ron was making business transactions without his knowledge and potentially cost him money. So, um, I guess Ron has already been, um, named the sole, like I said, the sole owner of the trademark. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's going to be 50% back. Back. Is he, the word he, yeah? He wants the judge to reinstate his fifty percent share in the name in the band's revenue. I just don't understand how it got switched around in the beginning. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's two beasts, right? Seen. Because my thing is, in order to get the mark, he had to get his permission anyway, because he's a part of the group. I'm just saying, right? But I don't know. But um, I at least have a lot going on, um, and I hate that because they're both like '80s. In their 80s, in the latest part of your life, you've been so successful with your brothers, and you get to 80 years old, and now you're going to have all these business issues? Mm-hmm. Come on. But we know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, last but not least for my legal minute, we have the Michigan school shooters. They're facing trial for manslaughter. Um, interesting about this case is that the parents are, um, you know, uh, this is one of the few times the parents are being tried mm-hmm. in the event um, uh, due to their child's actions um in involving these uh school shootings um and i think that typically the only time the guns um or anybody involved with the manufacturing with guns are the ones that are sued not necessarily the parents so um you know on the day of the shooting there were staff that were alarmed because of the kid or the student's extreme drawings and I guess there was a um, request for the parents to come in to speak with the school officials that they didn't attend and so you know the child comes into school um, who was 15 at the time um, had a gun and this was due to the fact that the parents forgot, failed to store it safely and since they failed to do that and of course, putting a public safety in danger. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, I don't see that it's a, you know an issue. I think it should be happen more across the country. And maybe it'll put something on more families to make sure that there are you know weapons stored in the right place, and that there are proper protocols in the event that hey, my gun is missing, let me go find it, mm-hmm. or talk to my kids and make sure that they understand not to take it to these places if you go hunting with them maybe you know explain this is only for this use only i don't know but uh, this is going to be very interesting to see how other how other states will roll this out if it happens in other states as well Mm, yeah we'll see yeah but we can't end the show we are at the end of our show but we don't want to end without having some black excellence yes so, of course, I uh, want to shout out Prairie View A&M University. They received $5 million from the USDA to assist small-scale Texas farmers. So if you know from prior conversations here on the show, we talked about Texas farmers and the plight that they're experiencing due to um, not getting the funding that they need to sustain their um, land and farms, animals, and things of that nature. So it's um, good to see that uh, Prairie View is helping the underserved and providing these resources to help reduce greenhouse emissions and help uh, small far, uh, small scale farmers. Ooh, that small scale was killing me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, 
I think they're in partnership with a couple of other schools. So I think Texas A&M, University of Houston, and Michigan Aerospace Corporation. Yeah, I'm not surprised Texas A&M is in there. Of course. They uh-huh. always want to dip in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> oh, I hope one day they hear the shade. Um, but, you know, congratulations to Prairie View. I'm glad that they um, are very, uh, I mean, they're, we're granted this, Funding. Right. I know that they are very involved in not only um, helping black farmers, but producing black farmers. Mm-hmm. So, congrats, Prairie View. Yeah, and then real quick, these teens in New Orleans, they've done the impossible. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have proven that the Pythagoras theorem can be proven with trigonomy. Trigonometry, which people thought was impossible. Right. Because Pythagoras theorem is proven. It's basically the, the, bi- the basis of um, trigonometry. Mm-hmm. Trigonometry, sorry. <laughs> A squared, B squared plus C squared, right? Yep. So pro- using trigonometry to prove Pythagoras theorem is known as circular logic. An idea can't prove itself, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they have now proven that you can use trigonometry without circular logic, which mathematicians have been trying to do for nearly 2,000 years. So shout out to these young ladies um, out of Louisiana for getting this done, and they presented it, and, you know, well done, ladies. And so, in response to that, I have four words. Okay. Hidden figures uh-huh. and who that? Right. Because they're from New Orleans. That's more than four. We out of here. <laughs> it's 